I'm still processing the last few weeks. It, it, it felt so it's... nice and and happy, and there was a lot of momentum. And then the last two weeks hit, and everything went to a grinding halt, and then skyrocketed to out of control speeds, and then came crashing down. And now I feel like I'm sort of crawling out of the rubble. <laughs> and I don't, I haven't processed it yet. I feel the same. I feel like I got a lot of messages in a very compressed amount of time, or so it felt. And a lot of like really strange, incredibly direct, not at all what I'm used to type of like, here, we're going to speak through you, turn your mic on and just talk. And we're going to deliver you a message. And it's going to be fairly clear and upfront. And, and then it just kind of floated away. And then it's just been a mix of like, outside world 3d stuff trying to <laughs> clean up the mess of the last several weeks and i feel i don't feel disconnected but i feel i'm i feel not as connected as i was a week and a half ago so if that makes any sense whatsoever but there is a lot that's like uh, there's a lot that's kind of like um coming in in layers and so i feel like it's if if i really sit in the middle of like the energy of it it feels like we've been entering pockets where things are lining up perfectly and when those happen like it is on and then we'll kind of drift out of that pocket again and then things will be a little hazy and a little slow and maybe one thing picks up and then another thing slows down and then sometimes that stops and then all of a sudden you're in another pocket again and it makes me think of um we were watching a, a youtube channel the other day which was a gal that had a bunch of home videos from like the early 80s um like home movies from Disneyland and we were watching a video that had America sings on it. And that's kind of how I've felt. It's like if you're on this rotating thing and when you line up, you get to watch the show and everything is clear and everything is cool. And then, but you keep moving and then you're in these periods of like, and everything's dark or you're hearing audio for the thing that's coming up but you can't see anything yet or you know something such as mm -hmm. yeah um i'd agree with that um <clears throat> i a <laughs> life has been a challenge especially um this last two weeks um, the week before that, of course, I was sick. You were sick. We were sick. <laughs> Miles apart, and yet we get sick at the same time. Um, and up until that point, it really felt like things were clicking away, moving really nice and fast. And then the the sickness came and took me down. And 
Um, as much as I didn't want to be sick, I was a little grateful for the sick because it forced me to not. And, uh, and I gave into that really easily. I was leery because usually when I get any sort of respiratory anything going on, it takes me months to recover, even in a non-COVID environment. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't know what I had. It doesn't you know, really matter <laughs> what you have. It matters how quickly you're getting over it, you know. So um, I was leery because some important stuff was coming up that I needed to be there for. Um, and amazingly enough, I got through it in a week. Usually it goes to my chest. It becomes bronchitis, like, you know, but it didn't this time. And so this was the first time I'd been sick since that wacky dream I had about Metatron giving me new lungs. <laughs> do you remember that dream? I do remember that dream. That was awesome. I mean, Tin Hat Awesome, yeah. It and, was. you know, you just kind of wonder, I, I mean, you kind of wonder if, was that a thing? Was that, like, really? like It's, like, legit? I think it yeah. was now. I, I had kind of waited to see. I mean, I had taken the fact that I hadn't gotten sick yet through a whole pandemic that maybe it's because of that lung transplants, <laughs> that, that weirdness of the dream was that I had, um, I, I woke up into the dream, if that makes sense. Um, like sure. all of a sudden I had been asleep and then I woke up and I was sort of floating above the ground, prone, like laying down on a table, but there was no table. And I was just mm -hmm. sort of floating there and, um, levitating, levitating. Yes. And this, uh, entity was next to me I don't remember exactly what he looked like I think I had a visual in the dream but also I think it maybe kept changing in the dream I know that he was um he presented as male and I think he might have had a mask like a surgeon's mask on um which makes sense given that when I looked down at my body I was spread open <laughs> Like slit down the middle and spread well, open. That's always fun. And he was reaching into my chest, Ew. and I was like, "What is Double happening? Ear. Right? What is happening?" And I was more intrigued by it than terrified of it. I wasn't terrified at all. I was like, "What's going on?" And he, I guess, maybe communicated, or I just knew um, what he was saying. So I guess it was telepathic communication. And he said, "You'll need new lungs." And I said, what? why? And, he's, and he kind of gave me, you know, like what I had been through. Um, some of the things that I had come across when I was trying to figure out why I was so prone to bronchitis. Why I was prone to asthma. Why I hadn't taken a breath in over a year. You know, Lord only knows how long. I literally had not had one full breath. Um, and it was all attached to grief. Apparently, Gemini is the sign of grief. <laughs> like, if you're a Gemini, then chances I'll are... I believe that. <laughs> chances are you will experience a lot of grief in your life. And um, I certainly have and was at the time um, prior to this dream. Uh, I think prior to this dream, maybe a year prior, that's when I had started to heal all of that grief 
that was and purge it and you know do all that wonderful stuff us spiritual people like to talk about purging and healing and releasing and all that crap um and it culminated with this dream of metatron giving me new lungs he said i would need new lungs to get through what was coming and i was like for sure right i was like okay and it felt like it had something to do like there was something with the lungs attached to the immune system um it wasn't just that i needed a new organ because the old organ had been um damaged by all of the asthma and the bronchitis and the grief and the you know all of that it was beyond that it felt like something was attached to this transplant that had to do with boosting the immune system and then also fixing what was broken so to speak in the lungs and um, it was a very weird experience and um, I could definitely see how if it were in a movie it would be considered a horror movie because like you could see everything you know you just knew there was another energy there assisting him I don't know who she was it was smaller that's all I remember and then um and then I woke up and that was the dream but it always stuck with me I never wrote it down I never really forgot it and I've always been kind of curious what that meant can, can we just stop for a moment and talk about how interesting it is that when things like that happen and I'm talking about <clears throat> when we're seeing things either in like dream time or a meditation or something that is, you know, kind of uh, cloaked in that, that spiritual haze that it usually does not freak us out that we're like completely curious and not at all phased. Like, what is that? Because I, I, I mean, I can't watch a scary movie. <laughs> I cannot sit down and watch a scary movie without like my hands over my eyes. Like I know how this shit works. I, you know, I've, I've, I've done, you know, prop work and set work and things like that. And I know exactly how all of these things are made and that it's not real and blah, blah, blah. blah. And yet, you know, I see something that level of freaky in a spiritual context. And I'm like, Oh no, that's totally cool. I'm fine. <laughs> Like, what is that? It's very interesting to me that we have this, you know, um, we're always talking about, you know, things like duality. And and I think that's just a very interesting flip that happens um, when you're dealing with something on a more spiritual nature of a more spiritual nature. I think those of us who are open to that just tend to be more open to those experiences with like absolutely no sort of like hold on why am i opened up what the hell you know like i i think it's kind of an interesting thing well i think we innately know in those situations that what we're seeing is symbolism meant to communicate to us what's going on spiritually i think we know full on in sure. a, on a deeper level that you know what we're witnessing isn't we're not actually opened up you know from <laughs> from stem to stern where it's just spirit's way of saying hey by the way we're going in and doing some heavy duty lifting on your behalf and um they use all of those visuals to communicate and I think the more that you get into communicating with your guides and 
doing things like channeling or whatever it is that you do, whatever you specialize in, um, you just, you get used to the vibration or the frequency or the feeling of that kind of communication. And it's, it flips a switch automatically in your brain. It's a good trigger for once, <laughs> you know, for once the, there's just, once you yeah. get into this, you have a trigger that automatically tells your brain you're safe and your ego doesn't need to get involved and freak out anymore. And uh, that's one of the, uh, the blessings, if you will, of getting into this sort of thing. It takes the um, humanity out of it and you can have a true spiritual, true spiritual um, experience. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're laughing because Jamie's husband is in the background being Jamie's husband. And no matter what we do, you know, we cannot silence the bear. No, there's there's just no way. You're going to hear him in the background occasionally mm -hmm. from time to time. He might even chime in from time to time. Here's the thing, though, and, and this is why it's particularly funny today. I had a conversation with him not five minutes before we got ready to do this where he was, like, clanking around in the kitchen and making a lot. I'm like, you know that I'm going to be recording, right? And he's like, well, yeah, that's why I'm doing this now. And he's clearing his throat, and I'm like, well, that means that too. And he's like, what? I'm like, the clearing of the throat, yo. And he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, come on now. You know how loud you are. You're loud. Like, you know. It really doesn't there's, though. There's the back door. Like, like, go go out there or something. And then I've been really good this time trying to mute my mic when I'm not talking. And literally the second, the second... I I unmute myself. He coughs. I'm like, oh, man. We were so close. We were there's, so close. There's no controlling the bear. Anyways. No, it's it's just gonna be that way. Whatevs. Yeah. yeah. Whatevs. I'm good. <clears throat> Holy crap. So I think the important um, thing about being sick and giving into it is, you know, figuring out what work is being done because any physical manifestations in the body of unwellness of illness are also spiritual in nature. So if you can sit there and give into it and kind of figure out, you know, the why of it, it, it makes it a little bit easier to go through the uncomfortable, you know, it does. And you know, for most of us, we've we've kind of grown up in this culture of you just keep on. You just keep on doing, you know, don't think about it. Try not to think about being sick, you know, and, and push forward and push ahead. And, you know, you can't take time off and, you know, all of those things. And this is kind of a way, and I think, like, you know, on a whole the one thing that this pandemic has done is, you know, of course, and fortunately and unfortunately for those that have really needed the like, Hey, you cannot keep functioning like this because you're not actually functioning. You know, something will find a way to slow you down for you. If you cannot see that you need to do that for yourself. And, um, you know, I think that is a big 
group lesson that we've been learning. I know for me, um, I, I definitely slowed down and paid attention. And there were days when I literally just sat there and fetched out and watched TV and fell asleep and woke up and fell asleep and woke up. I was knocked out more often than not during this. And um, I was lucky that, again, very similar to you, it was not severe, but it had very definite targeted areas. So for me, it was a lot of like, it was not in my chest, thank goodness, but it has been in my sinuses and my ears. And I'm still, I'm still moving through stuff with, with that. But I've also, you know, I was one of those kids where I was, I was sick a lot as a kid. And um, they've definitely been showing me that like my lymph system has been, you know, very um, impacted for a long time. And so um, this is really helping to make me aware of that because I think I've been having issues in those arenas and just thinking it was something else and not really, not really taking care of that. So I've been doing that more in the last week or so, and that's definitely, definitely helping. But, and of course I'm impatient and I want everything done. Like, you know, hey, I've done a thing for two days. Am I good yet? <laughs> no? Why not? It's like, look, lady, this didn't happen overnight, and it's not getting cleared overnight, so slow your roll. It's going to happen when it happens. Just, you know, keep being aware of it. And it's like, all right, fine. But, um, yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, and I did want to speak to the whole, um, you know, talking about how we... Uh, receive and perceive things um, when we're kind of more in that spiritual mode. And I think for me, one thing that it does um, bring up is that as far as that, like not being startled and, you know, being okay when, when we may see things or experience things that would at other times appear really scary or really unsafe to us. Um, kind of solidifies for me that we move into a different state of understanding like we move out of that beta state and more into like the theta um you know just like we do with the help of you know certain um sound and frequencies during meditation it helps us to be in the place of better receiving i think that that kind of also points to the fact that during those times where we're sitting in a space where we're not trying to task our way through it. We're just experiencing, we're just observing. And when you slow down that mode of like task, 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 you do become so much more observant. And it takes a lot of that, like, 
you know, that, that normal anxious or, you know, highly emotionally charged stress kind of response away. And, um, I'm definitely very grateful for those times, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially when you're going through something that's, that's uncomfortable or that, you know, you might have some sort of outside fear about, um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. And now of course, like we were, I, I will also say that I'm incredibly thankful that we had some nice cool days during that time mm-hmm. that we were not experiencing a hot streak because hell we are experiencing it right now. It's supposed to go away again. So yeah, it's but to not be as slipping back down in the seventies, but ding, I feel summer coming and for, I'm like, it is, stay away. And, it's, and it's not, it's not slipping down as much as they thought it would. They were still going to have, you know, 86, 87 in there here and there sprinkled in those seventies. And it's like, okay, it's only May, <laughs> like May gray. Come on, May gray. Where's the, where's the gray for May? And I, my fingers are crossed for June gloom. That's all I can say because yeah. the thought of having summer from now until, which we've had before, it's, it wouldn't be the first time, you know? Um, yeah. but oh, I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm never ready. There's never going to be a time when I'm ready yeah. for it to be 106 degrees. Not ever. Mm-mm. But Mm-mm. Let's just put it off a little I, while longer. I look, at, <laughs> I look at people who love it and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, I am, I am just so not at all attuned to any of that. Mm-hmm. Like... You know, I, I, uh, I love me some, some, some sun energy and I am grateful and plants growing and all the things, whatever. That's cool. It's just like, just leave me out of it. Like if I can please absorb my D, you know, filtered and... (laughs) through through means that that don't make my skin fry and don't make me feel like I'm walking in sludge that would be great <laughs> because when you're as white as we are that sun cooks you like chicharrones and uh the end man you're bubbling up you're red you're pink you're crispy it's not cute it's not comfortable it's not good it's definitely not cute or comfortable. And I can hear kids in the pool right now. And I'm like, oh, you kids. You're in the <laughs> nice pool. The nice non-heated, mostly shaded. It's probably only, you know, 60-something degrees in the water right now. <laughs> it's like, oh, what a good. If my ears weren't clogged up. I'd so be jumping in there right after this. That is not going to happen. So what sort of messages did you get while you were sick? What came you know, through for you? It's it's so crazy because it was random. It was random. The only thing that I was really trying to occasionally get done because I didn't want to fall behind so late in the semester was school. So I paced myself and there were times when I was like, man, I hope this is good enough because I cannot brain 
my I'm like I'm running on autopilot here. I am I am leaning on the on the fact that a lot of these subjects are subjects that I already know pretty well and I'm hoping that I can coast through but holy moly I'd be in the middle of an assignment and and stuff would just come through um the really interesting thing for me during this illness and it started happening right before but it's continued is um so I, I can't remember if I've mentioned it before, but um, in the last several years, I've been working a lot with Magdalene and energy. It's definitely something that I've aligned, that I am aligned to and through just experiences with, with regression and, you know, other things that have come up for me. That's something that I'm obviously very aligned to. And so I am still working my way through discovering a lot of what that, means um, a lot of people are going to be familiar with the word magdalene through bible stories you know mary magdalene and although uh yes that is a particular character that that is involved it is a much more interesting and broader energy than that and there are many who feel and i feel this way as well that um you know this is just one of many names that we have for that energy it's been around a really long time um you know it was here possibly even before the planet i feel that it was definitely here before the planet just from my own experiences um but part of that energy and part of the kind of cast of characters that comes along with that is the sophia which a lot of people refer to as kind of like the um some people refer to it as the like female the sacred feminine portion of the creative energy um there's there's a there's various ways that that it gets interpreted but i have had that energy come through and I will say that it is probably from all of my guides, all of my interactions with angels, et cetera, et cetera, um, galactic beings and whatnot, that this energy has come through the clearest and most concise out of all of them. And it's refreshing and really interesting all at the same time. But like the... Like sometimes I feel like the messages were triggered <clears throat> and then sometimes I feel like the messages were um, just out of nowhere, like triggered by just happenstance through conversation. Like I think we were talking and one of the most interesting ones was um, I think we randomly and very briefly brought up uh, twin flame energy. And we had gotten off the phone. You needed to leave and go do something. <clears throat> and all of a sudden it's like, turn the recorder on. I have something to say about that. <laughs> and so I sat and just rambled for like maybe 20 minutes. And it was very interesting. And it's been 
a little over a week or so now. So I'm trying to remember uh, exactly what the message was, but it was interesting because um, <clears throat> one thing that I am always faced with, like I worked, uh, I worked at a metaphysical shop for, for several years and everybody that came through that door would have a different idea of what um, the term twin flame or soul flame meant. But each one was very like driven and what that meant and what that meant to them. And it's, you know, ultimately it's, it's going to be whatever you needed to be in that moment to, to learn and experience whatever it is that you need to learn and experience in that moment, which is essentially what the message was, but it was given in a really beautiful way. Um, like I know that I always had a really difficult time telling people that, you know, it, it could be any one of a number of things because they are so bent on their, their definition that they have in their head that's in front of them at that moment. And this message that came through was really nice in that it was like, okay, let me break this down for you, you know, depending on where you are in your journey and depending on what you've experienced, there are going to be different phases or faces of, of this particular subject that are going to come through for you. And it might shift throughout your time of, of learning and basically what, whatever it is that you need to connect with at that time is the thing that's going to pop up. So it explained all these little things kind of connected to different portions of, of the twin flame aspect. Like you'll hear, Oh, like twin flame relationships are really volatile and it's, it's like, you know, opposing magnets and these aren't necessarily people that you're meant to be in a relationship with and most likely you'll butt heads and, and this energy came through and was like, yes, that may be something that you experience, but it's not that the entirety of, of that term is going to show up that way or that it's always going to show up that way for you, or that it's going to show up that way for anyone else. You know, it really is an individualized, um, an individualized thing. And so it was, it was nice to kind of have that confirmation of, oh, okay, I see that, you know, that's, because I always felt that way. What way? And, that that it was just going to show up however it was going to show up for the individual as as necessary as needed that you know it don't put a particular stamp on it and just leave it at that allow room as i would for most things you know allow room for it to be something different for you but um yeah i always thought that that was kind of an you know an interesting thing especially when we'd, um, you know, you'd have different things to, to help you work with that energy, like a candle or a scent or a, 
a something. And it's like, I always felt that that was so hard. It's like, well, I don't know. What does it mean to you? <laughs> I can't tell you how to work with it or what to do about it unless I know what it means to you. I have to know what, you know, give me context. Well, Show me where you you're said, at. What you just said there is really important because as you were talking, they were talking to me from my okay. perspective about the same subject. And what they were saying was, you know, one of the things that when I'm working with someone, the first thing I do is I try to make them aware of how often or little they recognize their own definitions of words. For most people, it's not a thing that occurs to them. They think that whatever the definition of a word is, is the definition of the word. And it's been, you grew up with it. You know, you grew up with the definition of success. You grew up with the definition of abundance. You grew up with the definition of respect. You grew up with the def definition of manners. And this is one of the basic uh, tenets that we all think is real that isn't and gets us uh, screwed up in our communication with other people because we assume that the definition we were given as a child or a young adult, however long you know, it's been instilled in you, the definitions that we were instilled with about common life things between people in relationships are not necessarily shared by other people mm -mm. in your relationships. And one of the, the biggest problems is that because we assume that everybody knows what success is, everybody knows what it is to respect someone, you know, because we take that for granted, we screw up our relationships and think it's the other person just being an asshole. And so what the guide said as you were talking was one of the things that all of this spiritual jargon, before it actually, you know, these spiritual terms that we come up with, it's a chance to create something new so that the words that we're using don't have such weight and gravitas behind them and are instead more easily, um, more easy to create with you can, they're flexible, they're mutable, and they're words are supposed to be mutable. Um, and people take words at face value without even realizing that their face value is learned over decades and through much they're trauma. Symbols. Yes, they're symbols, but the point is, is that people forget what they're symbolic of. They don't realize that mm -hmm. they've attached certain tra traumatic experiences to them. They've attached certain um, needs that were never met to them. They've attached certain rewards to them. If I, if I behave this way, I will get love. You know, well, when you get into really looking at the term love, you realize that there are many definitions and not only that, but love can express itself in many ways, but true love expresses itself regardless of how you behave. And that's not a concept that I think a lot of people understand. It takes a while to get there. That's kind of a, you know, a top level, <laughs> top shelf concept. But I thought it was interesting that, you know, I had never looked at spiritual terms because they do become jargon after a while. They do end up holding for, for a lot of people. People want things set in stone so that they know that when they say this one thing, they are correct. And that's not the point of words. So things like concepts like twin flames are purposely meant to 
be discussed. They're purposely meant to make you wonder if you know it right, if you know the right definition. They're purposely meant to make you inquire about it to someone else who has a completely different definition and to understand that it is okay to have a completely different definition because it's all true. Because that's a gateway into having compassion for other people when it comes to concepts that we take for granted. And it's a gateway into our own awakening and our own consciousness or becoming conscious of concepts that we take for granted. And sure, that kind of blows my mind because I never thought of it like that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's been interesting, like, this particular semester in school that the classes that I'm taking two of them have overlapped very much so and this always this always happens my my educational path has been a huge um catalyst for more spiritual work things always coincide they're always in sync it's really interesting things come up and this semester in school symbology has been a really big portion that's come up in two of my classes and they're they've kind of ran in tandem with the same message but um like one of the last assignments that i've been working on for one in particular uh was going over um a lot of the early turmoil in ireland and um you know, what's, what's the difference between the, you know, the North versus the South in, in those cases, you know, we were talking about like the Easter uprising and the Irish civil wars, you know, it's like, really what was going on there and can you look at it and actually tell like who's the freedom fighter and who's the terrorist <laughs> you know it's like well it depends on what side of the line you're on you know what's your perspective and and really understanding that, you know, there is no true objectivity in history. There's just not. It's everything is going to be painted by your own experience. But being able to, you know, look at both sides and study both sides and look at the psychology of both sides and the predicaments of, of each side, you know, depending on where you're standing, things look very differently, you know? So, um, you know, symbology is, is really interesting. We have things that trigger certain things in us and it's not just, you know, people think symbols are, are, you know, like, you know, pictures or a flag or, and it's like, well, words are symbols too. Words are symbols for for energy and for frequencies, and the the frequency that was held at a particular time thousands of years ago is not necessarily held the same way now. It's you know even our words have changed. The meanings 
have changed depending on where you are, who you are, and what your set of beliefs are. It's, it's different. So yeah, that's been a really interesting thing to, uh, to kind of dive into this semester. I think it it would be a cool, like, uh, paper, maybe, I don't know, masters or whatever to look into because as you were talking again, I was getting something, it was vague, but it, it, there definitely feels like there's some, there has to be something to it because you can't cherry pick these things. You can't, you can't have one thing Mm -hmm. separate from another. Everything is connected. And given that everything is connected, I find it interesting that wars so often are defined by North and South or East and West. And I find that interesting when put through the lens of what do those directions represent what frequencies do mm-hmm. those directions represent? And was it inevitable that people on those, um, the only thing I can think of is ley line. That's not quite what I mean. I mean, yes, ley line works, but it's not, there's another term for it. And I can't think of it right now. It's, it's eluding me. But what, what do people on those certain highways of energy on the planet, were they inevitably going to end up in those conflicts regardless whoever mm-hmm. was in the north was going to be in the north energy and whoever was in the south was going to be in the south energy because the one thing that they said to me while you were saying that was poles mm-hmm. polar opposite and this is the, you know our dimension that we are existing in for this this lifetime is a, a, a dimension of opposites. It's it's meant for arguments. It's meant for conflict. And we can see that just by having a North and a South Pole. You know, the globe is effing mm-hmm. round, yo. There, there is no corner. There is no top or bottom, except there is. You know? Yeah. And so I just think it would be an interesting study to go into different wars and hell, you could even bring astrology into it and see what the ast- astrological alignment for those particular conflicts were at the time. And then mm-hmm. write the paper through the lens of the North energy and the South energy or the East energy and the West energy and why those conflicts were inevitable. They were never not going to happen because everything energetically had already aligned to support that conflict so that everyone involved mm-hmm. could have that experience i just think it would be sure i think it would be interesting to see what kind of information would come out of that and if it would ever reach the point for you know those who don't necessarily go in for this kind of thing um to become more than coincidence is there enough energetic information out there Given our history, is there enough that we can find that would make that would make non-believers in these energies and vortices and portals and poles question their own beliefs? I definitely think so. And hey, you never know. Talk to me in uh, in two more years, and I might very well be writing that paper. Why I bring <clears> this <throat> up? <laughs> Yeah, no. Because that's a really interesting. It's, it's, it's just, a real possibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Lord knows I don't want to write it. So 
knock yourself out. <laughs> It'll be nice to finally have someone listen to one of my ideas and go, hey, I want to take that on. All right. Well, it's, you know, it's, and for me, that's kind of the natural, that's naturally where I take it when I'm in one of these classes. I, I, I can't, I can't help but to see it through a spiritual lens because that's something that's a huge, huge portion of my life. And it is something that I bring up in, in class discussions. Um, and it's been really interesting because this semester I have, um, one of my professors uh, is actually like the director of the department for humanities. And um, I've, I've spoken with her like once over zoom at the beginning of the semester. And it was interesting because I had, I had a couple questions for her just with the little teasers that she had about the class. It's a, it's a Celtic anthropology class. And um, there were several images and things that she used. I'm like, this looks like this. Am I, am I correct? And, and we had a discussion that was, we, we talked for probably about 45 minutes, a couple of days before class started. And from there, I already knew that it was going to be kind of an interesting class because she got into this particular subject kind of, I'm not going to say by accident, but, but by following her own, you know, just her own curiosity, she, she was already well ingrained in the subject of anthropology, but specifically Celtic anthropology, because it is one of those really odd, like depending on who you speak to, it either is or is not an actual thing, you know, depending on if you speak to historians historians will generally tell you no it's not a thing like there there is no such peoples there is no such time period it is it is not an actual documented they did not refer to themselves as celts this is not something that happened until more modern times for various reasons but if you speak to anthropologists and even anthropologists will have varying opinions on it, but at least anthropologists will usually um, agree that because of certain aspects, because of a, it, it really refers more less to a group of people and more to a um, linguistic group. Um, but, even they can't quite figure out like why or exactly how it happened because the patterns are very strange and we don't have all the information needed to connect dots in more ways than through linguistics. So, you know, it brings up a lot of interesting questions about symbology and how do people feel about the things that they're attached to. It's like in, in really Celt was not a term. It was not a term that was used by the people who were referred to as Celts. It, it was originally something that was more or less a Roman term for, for uh, people who were um, kind of like, 
the Gauls and kind of in that area, um, the Romans and I believe a couple other groups referred to them as Celts. And I think those other groups referred to them as Celts because the Romans did. Why the Romans chose that particular term, I don't know. It was Celt or Celtoid. Um, I believe it came from um, a Latin word. and I can't remember what that is at the moment. That was early in the semester. But anyway, you know, as we've kind of moved through various states of kind of dominion, having dominion over in various parts of those countries that are connected to that, you know, by, by a bigger nation, you start seeing all of a sudden people really wanting to identify as Celt, like especially kind of the more romantic period as we got into like the Victorian age that's when like some of these older histories that that dated back to the early Greeks and and Romans those classical the stories from those classical writers kind of got pushed forward and got reimagined or or started being retold in a more romantic and flourished way and then all of a sudden people got more interested in in that history and in that retelling and you know i don't blame them these were people who have been ruled by another entity for hundreds if not thousands of years they've never had their own identity so this thing that made them special and unique they latched on to and it you know it was rooted in language but it's it's become a symbol for for their for their particular identity aside from you know this this larger body that's been governing them so it's it's been interesting kind of dissecting that at different points in time in in different countries in different um portions of countries and seeing some of the places where it is really um really very well rooted like Wales. It's like the Welsh people have a very strong like they are Welsh. They are not English. <laughs> Don't you dare say <laughs> mm-hmm. that they are English. And and it, it's it's interesting seeing that kind of like wow. Mm. They're not joking like this <laughs> This is really important to them. Um, So, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting in the future to look back on that and do a little more digging when I eventually get into the spot where I'm going to need to do more formal papers. That'll be, um, you know, those those types of things are things that I will want to bring up because it's it's definitely it's it's definitely allowed me to look at things a little differently. Um, it's it's interesting to see the patterns that are formed when you continue to look at it. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing too, and I don't know if I have the words to really express what I'm hearing in my head, but there's you know the the ancient timeline is being rewritten as we speak. 
as we remember, as we experience this lifetime. You know, so there was a time when we were aligned to a past that had no Atlantis or Lemuria. Or mm-hmm. rather that that time Atlantis and Lemuria were, if you were in that time period, they were myths. And now we're coming to a time yeah. where a lot of us are waking up. And what does waking up mean? It means um, aligning to new truths that we couldn't align to before. And as more and more of us align to those truths, the ancient timeline shifts to support those truths. You know? Sure. Which to you and me may not be all that mind-boggling anymore because we've had several years under our belts to get it. True. But to a lot of people, those same people who have a difficult time remembering that words are conceptual and not concrete are going to be like, that's not how it works. That's impossible. And it's like, "Mm, sorry, but (laughs) that actually is how it works um, because everything is happening right now. So whatever we are stepping into in order to experience, that becomes the new truth. And it's like, you know, picture two scales. Um with, you know, put more weight in the scale that you'd like to see manifest. And suddenly you get a timeline where we start to uncover new monoliths. We start to um, find new information on megaliths. We start to find new underground passages in Egypt. We start to realize that, oh, hey, all this time, this information has been suppressed by this one person. Oh, how did that happen? You know, and yeah, it's not necessarily that that stuff existed before. It's that now we are creating a world in which it did exist before. So the past timeline that we think is so concrete and unchanging and immutable is actually changing right along with this current timeline. And that's how new information that was lost for generations comes back into our consciousness. Our perspective has shift. Our allowance of certain things has shifted and it opens doors for those, for those new items to come through. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Things that you wouldn't possibly have accepted previously. You are now willing to accept or at least be curious about and be curious enough to go, well, hold on. I don't know about that. If somebody gave me, you know, the information that made it click for me, I could, I could understand that. You know, I love it when I'm watching shows and I'm like, I'll buy that. (laughs) And I'll catch myself saying it. And it's funny because it's like, did they necessarily give me proof? No, but I ran it through my internal bullshit meter and my internal bullshit meter said, that's the way we remember it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Sweet. I'm open to that. Like, I'd like to dig into that a little more. I'd like to know more about that. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a, you know, something interesting to look at. And it's, it's helping to widen the perspective. It's helping to shift the point of observation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're all looking through a particular lens. We're all looking out a particular window, depending on which direction you're facing. And you're going to see a very different landscape. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but what happens when you go outside the building? What happens when you're in a free moving 360 degree rotating platform and now you see all directions from a, from a different perspective that allows you to take in more mm-hmm. it shifts. It should change your mind. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't change your mind, then there's something that you're holding on to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, it, it makes it really interesting. Um, it was funny what was it two or three days ago um and we'll definitely have to sit down and watch this together uh but i had had a subscription to the gaia network oh for several years and i put it on pause for the last like i don't know three months or so because I realized that I was still paying for it and I really wasn't watching it. There hadn't been anything new that had come up that, that like, you know, like during the pandemic, I think I had watched everything on the channel because I needed <laughs> there was nothing else to do. And just, there was nothing else. Well, nothing else was getting created. So, so besides your random YouTube channels and, you know, I needed something else. So I burned through, you know, all of the things that, that kind of reached out to me on that channel pretty quickly. And um, I had been seeking little advertisements pop up here and there for a newer series that they're doing. And I kept thinking to myself, oh, that's interesting, but I don't think that I'm ready to pay for the subscription again just to watch that thing. And... The other day I saw where it was like, thank you for your payment to Kaya. And I'm like, uh, I thought I had that on pause. It's like, well, apparently my pause ran out. Oh, And I'm like, oh, well, crap. And I'm like, well, while I have this thing, let me look up this <laughs> new show that looked interesting. And um, I... Let's see if I can actually find the name of it. It's about sound. Shocker. Um, I know. Shocker, shocker, shocker. Uh, let's see if I can actually see. It's called the the series is called the sound sound of creation, and I think there's eight episodes right now um if you're not familiar with the gaia network think back to some of the earlier like um nat geo and history and travel channel specials when they were starting to gather together the you know greg Braden and um uh, what's his name with the crazy hair? The UFO guy. <laughs> I can never remember her, the Greek his name. Dude. The Greek dude. Yeah. Uh, I don't know yeah. his name. Um, uh, and, you know, and, and like a bunch of these different experts in whatever fields. Um, it's similar to that. But they've added um, some additional like folks to to talk to. 
and some of it is very like like you're watching a, a a special on a particular subject in school where you know there's lots of fun graphics and some of it is like that and you're like yeah 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 i get it and then occasionally they'll roll over something and i'm like well wait <laughs> pause and i'm like uh i need to hear that again it's like oh that's interesting but it's it's funny to me to watch if you're not familiar with the, with the channel gaia is um much more of a i'm not going to say metaphysically based but pretty much it's metaphysically based <laughs> i'm not going to say um, it but it is i'm not going to say it but it is <laughs> like they they don't really push it that way but it's it's definitely along those lines it's it's a lot more open to you know shows on ufos and on supernatural experiences and you know and then you get like the other section that's like here if you want to know yoga or tai chi or qigong or you know here's uh all of the videos you can use to do that and i think most of the time they're pushing that and they're trying to get people to you know it's like oh well people are really open to yoga let's <laughs> let's show it's all the, the gateway drug <laughs> right um but once you actually delve delve into it, and trust me, there are some things on there that I'm like, even I won't will not watch. I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> no thanks. Um, but it's it is if you're in that kind of spot where you're like, mm, I don't know how open I am yet. And you're curious to know how open you are. This is a good channel to explore. I think it's like. I'm trying to remember how much it is a month. I can't honestly remember. Because this is not I don't sponsored. Think it's that expensive. No, absolutely not sponsored. But hey, Gaia, if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> using our inside voice at gmail.com. Just saying. <laughs> um yeah it it's it's an interesting channel to to look into and kind of peruse through and see what piques your your curiosity because there's there's definitely some interesting stuff but um i don't think this particular i don't think i've quite gotten yeah i don't think i've quite gotten what was interesting about this one in particular so so this one in particular um they they're talking about sound but what you really have to understand is what all sound encompasses and what sound really encompasses is energy frequency vibration sound is just really our reference for what we are physically hearing audibly um not for everything that it entails so they go over a lot of things like some of the earlier um in in the earlier uh episodes they go over earlier studies where they were showing um you know like what happens when you put uh sand on a vibrating platform and you're you're playing a particular sound or particular music and the shapes that it creates and mm -hmm. how that aligns with um, uh, 
you know, monks in the high Himalayas and they're chanting and where they are kind of going when they're chanting and in, in spiritual space and the, uh, the mandalas that are drawn during or right after meditation that are lining all of the, the monastery walls. It's like, these are all interpretations of the sound of the frequency of the vibration that they're creating. And they kind of start dissecting all of this fun stuff. And um, it's especially fun for me because that's, that's kind of my thing. Kind of, but it was, it's, it's absolutely my thing. Um, But it was interesting to see them get into again, some of like the symbology of you know how our words are used and you know kind of um some of the earlier civilizations and how they coveted certain words and only you know certain words were only used within certain groups or at specific times because they felt that they were symbolic of, you know, of a particular frequency, you know, it's like the, the word was just a symbol. That's so Um, weird. I'm sorry. It just that I wasn't expecting this to come up and I just experienced this the other day. Okay. I told you about it. Like what? Um, I had come out of a long, um, court battle supporting a friend through a court battle uh that i still haven't quite processed yet and don't know how i want to talk about yet but um the experience of it pulled me out of my very lightweight and um casual schedule and threw me into a very strict um intense schedule that was not at all up to me Um, I was, as she was, subject to the workaday world schedule, the court schedule. And um, aside from that, you know, aside from the fact that (laughs) it made me wear shoes for more time than I have in the past five years, and it made me wear people clothes for more time than I had in the past two years, and it made me get up regularly to an alarm clock more than I have in the past 10 years. And, you know, there were a lot of things that I hadn't had to do with my life in a very long time, but it was all compounded. I was fine with all of the changes. You know, it, it, it was kind of, it was not nice because the reason behind it was gross, but it was almost, um, it was a nice contrast to what I normally do in my daily life. However, um, having to be among the energies that I was among, I had to deal with the public more than I have in the past four years. I had to deal with lawyers more than I had to deal with in my life. I had to deal with court restrictions and etiquette and things that I don't believe in, (laughs) you know, more than I have in years. I had to deal with just being in the areas, the socioeconomic areas that I had to be in 
was taxing in and of itself. But the most taxing thing was being in the court building itself. Because this building, for those of you who um, do not live in or around LA, the, um, the court building that we were in is a 1970s brutalist uh, monstrosity um, that is lined, every hallway is lined with quartz filled panels. Like you can literally see the little quartz geodes inside these panels. Um, there is not one yielding or forgiving surface within this building. The benches are hard uh, in the hallway. They're concrete and stone. The floors are hard. The walls are all straight and right angled. There's not one forgiving curve. There's not one open window. <laughs> there is. There are two entrances on either side of the building for people to come in and out. And those doors remain closed unless someone is coming in or going out. And everything else is just a rigid unforgiving straight edge and it was it's just the most horrible full of you know crystals that haven't been friggin cleansed since the building's inception they haven't seen sun they haven't had fresh air not even a sage bundle has been lit within the building guaranteed because it's full of wonderfully asleep people who think what they're doing actually matters <laughs> No offense to y'all, but y'all playing a game and don't know it. Um, and I was trying to describe it to a friend of mine because I don't think many people um, give it much thought. They just go. They know it sucks, you know, if, especially if you have like jury duty and you're stuck there, you know, you're their guinea pig for the day and you have to go where they tell you to go and you have to sit where they tell you to sit and you have to do what they tell you to do. It sucks. But I was trying to process the the depth and breadth of the suck. And the only thing that I could come up with that didn't even seem to touch, like the words, normally being a Gemini, I'm going to wax poetic as much as I can. So you really <laughs> get the impact of the crap I just went through. And all I could do was say it was like being trapped inside of someone else's hate. And I was yeah. like, did I mean to say that? Is that really the best I can do? Like, and I had to say it again out loud. I, it was like being trapped in someone else's hate. And I burst into tears. Yeah. Because the frequency of the word hate resonated so overtly with my experience that I had not chosen the word to describe. It wasn't an adjective you know, that you would use in a traditional sense of the word. Although apropos, I mean, it wasn't used for that purpose. It was used to resonate with the frequency of what I had experienced. And yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't really, if I've done it before, I haven't noticed. I mean, I notice when my words resonate with me, but this resonance was just like, you know, it was like, you will you not be feel denied. The pluck. Yes. <laughs> yes, I could. And it was intense. And all I could do was cry because it, it did. It, you felt like you were at the mercy and trapped inside someone else's hate. And what a horrible, what a horrible experience to be trapped yeah. in. 
And we create these experiences on a regular basis for people to be trapped in. And it just made me all at once, it made me question, I mean, I, you know, no lie, I had been questioning society since this whole thing started, this this court battle. Um, and it just made me question it more, like, what are we doing? You know, we're literally making criminals and then punishing them. This court is not about justice, it's about punishment. And that's not something that is supported in a spiritual mindset. There is no such thing as punishment. Punishment is a falsely applied um, distortion designed to control people. It's designed to take away freedoms, behavioral freedoms. um, And that's not supported in a spiritual mindset. The whole reason you get on the spiritual path is to um, become sovereign. <laughs> it's to empower yourself. It's, it's to find your own definition of self-empowerment and to really tap into what that feels like. And it's a really difficult road to walk because everything in our society speaks to the opposite and encourages the opposite. You know, you're rewarded if you follow along. And so it just was in that moment tapping into that frequency like I had never tapped into it before, I was stunned. Like I literally couldn't say anything further about it because that was it. That was the string that I needed to pluck. And it was just hate. Yeah. Yeah. Although, and it sucks that, that the situation occurred, but again, as we kind of like visit, the importance of contrast in being here. It was also important, I'm sure, to visit that contrast and really see it in a way that maybe you hadn't seen it before, experience it in a way that maybe you hadn't before so that you can relate to it in a different way and have more than one understanding of of what that is representative of, you know, I'm sure to some people, those buildings make them feel safe (laughs) and make them feel protected at any, some point in time, depending on why they're there, but that's not everybody's experience. Mm -hmm. And you need both of those experiences to be available in order to thoroughly be able to investigate it. Um, but yeah, this, this particular series is so far doing a pretty cool job at doing those deeper dives in, in a way that I think, um, you know, some of the things I'm like, I'm shaking my head and going, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is stuff that I've all heard before. I know I already know this. Show me something new. Show me something that I don't know, you know, because, That's what I wanted from this. But it was nice to see um, certain things being approached in a way that um, didn't feel, didn't that felt more like they were talking about something that was common knowledge. One thing that I always get stuck on is when you're watching um, like specials or shows or things that you come across or, you know, things that people on YouTube have made videos on and, and they'll approach something, but it'll be very 
like this is all very mystical and like you know it's like a secrets revealed type <laughs> video and and although i can see the entertainment value in that and i'm sure that that helps to bring people in when when they need to be brought in so I, I i don't have ill feelings against that it's just cool for me when i'm watching something and people are talking very matter-of-factly about something that i understand on the same like on the same level but that most people would probably you know cock an eyebrow and go huh like mm-hmm. what did they just say <laughs> and it's like you know, so I I enjoy getting to see something where they're a little more like, oh yeah, of course, of course. You know, the the pyramids were are are not the you know giant tombs <laughs> that that we thought that they were. You know, these had different purposes, and they go through a lot of the. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of I follow him on Instagram. I think it's Robert Grant. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of the math he behind does. frequency stuff, and it's, it's a lot beautiful. of math. Mm-hmm. I like to see it. <laughs> there's something inside me, like if I see it, like all written down, and like there's all these really beautiful notes and things that he posts on, on like Instagram and his other channels and such. And, you know, with drawings and everything, and it looks great. And there is something intrinsically inside me that says yes and loves that. Although my my brain goes, you do not math. No. <laughs> like, you do not math. This is not this is not a thing that you do. Mm-hmm. But I am okay with some portion of me understanding that whatever he's doing there is absolutely 1000% correct. And I cannot tell you any of the hows or whys or any of that. I don't need to know. I don't need to be able like, girl, this is not your job this time around. You do not need to explain <laughs> this to anyone else. That's why we have that guy. That guy is going to explain it to everybody else. And I'm like, sweet. I just want to look at his pretty pictures because they do something internally to me that I still don't understand. Like I see the like the sacred geometry and things like that. And my insides light up. They are like, yes, this is that, that right there. That's a thing. That is an absolute thing. And my brain is like, okay (laughs) like we know it's a thing we're so happy for you that you're so happy about whatever it is that we just saw we have no idea how to explain it to anyone we have no idea how to explain it to ourselves but we know it's correct so whatever cool um but they've layered a lot of those like you know so there's something for everyone (laughs) Mm-hmm. So people who are math geeks are, are probably going to look at it and go, oh, that's really cool. And then I can, you know, take that piece of knowledge and I can and I can go from here to here to here. People who are are music fiends are going to be interested in in the science behind how it all kind of comes together and looking at like they were um, showing the math that kind of coincides with uh, the way that a piano is laid out 
and how the notes are distributed and how playing certain groupings is, you know, like that particular grouping is creating a very specific frequency and vibration that creates something or triggers something very specific within us. So, um, so yeah, it's been cool over the last couple of days. I think we're, I think we have like maybe two or three more episodes mm -hmm. to watch in the series, but, um, so far that's, it's been pretty cool. And I've seen there, there are a couple of things I have a, a class that I'm teaching on energy and frequency coming up. Um, actually I pushed it to next month, but, um, there are some scenes at least that I think I'd like to share, mm -hmm. uh, during the class because they just do a nice job at, um, kind of summing up and explaining a lot of the intricacies that we just don't normally think about you know we we think of it in a very sound is another one of those things that we think about in a very you know linear way it's like oh it's something that we hear it's music it's you know it's like well what happens when you flip that script and you start understanding that it's it's something that you feel and that it's something that you project and it's something that other people project and you know what happens when you walk into a a field of a particular frequency and it's very interesting to see that portrayed on a screen in front of you in a more scientific environment like they were showing um how certain things become projected and they had uh particular equipment attached to this individual a lot of sensors and things on on the head um and showing you know, on the screen, you were seeing the brain activity and where in the brain things were being lit up. And then there was a particular um, frequency involved and another instrument that they were using to read what was external of this individual was placed, you know, just like a few feet away from them. And you could see this person wasn't speaking, but they were projecting a particular frequency and this other instrument is picking it up and lighting up because it's being put out there. And that's what this other instrument is meant to do is pick up frequencies. So it's interesting to see that kind of dynamic um, in that way. It's like for myself, I don't need that to know that it's happening because I feel it on a very deep level. But I think for someone who's not, who's not quite there yet or who, you know, maybe hasn't really fully opened up to that idea yet. It's interesting. It gives them permission to, to start 
Yeah, it yeah. gives them permission to start believing that that is possible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, that's something that's just been kind of very recently, but it seems like it ties in with everything else as well. Mm-hmm. You never so, know what's going to pop up. <laughs> so three weeks ago, I had a, an aha moment. And now I am having a hard time. I, I got I have my notes with me because I don't remember exactly how it went. Um, but it, with the guides, I've always had um, a hard time understanding how I've really been interested in how in that moment that energy becomes matter. That something mm-hmm. actually manifests into the material world. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, you can't, you can't see it before it's a thing. So how do you, how are you supposed to know how to do it? You know what I mean? And, and manifestation seems to be difficult for me uh, in many mm-hmm. regards, especially when it comes to, you know, the things that I don't have that I want, which I think goes for anybody. But, you know, f- for me, it's how do I make money? How do I do this? You know what I mean? And so I was, yeah. I was sitting there and my brother orders food all the time, like three times a day, every day. Someone has to cook for him. He's ordering it, guaranteed. <clears throat> and he came in, I guess, um, and he asked me if I wanted some of what he ordered. Beca- and I said, why did you order so much? And he said, because there was a minimum that the app requires in order for you to actually order it. And I was like, oh, and my brain just started sort of casually ruminating over this idea of the minimum. Like, how do they come up with this minimum? And my brain was like, it's probably like, you know, 13 middle-aged white dudes in a room using some math equation on a dry erase board, (laughs) trying to figure out what their minimum should be. And all of a sudden this, this other voice, this external voice, this guide voice comes in and says, what if not though? And I was like, what, 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 why you got to interrupt my flow, man? (laughs) And they were like, what if they just grabbed it out of midair? And I was like, well, okay. And I was about to be like, what's your point? And then I was like, oh, I have a story that says <clears throat> professional business people do not just grab numbers out of the air. They have science and math behind their decisions, and they're not just going to choose $15 as the minimum that makes it worth delivering to this person. And the external voice was like, but what if, what if that's how it happens, though? And I was like, huh. I mean, I guess it's their thing. They can do it. And they're like, see, this is the thing is that you have these beliefs that you don't have what it takes to do something like a delivery app. And one of the things that you don't have or think that you don't have is the science and math that tells you what's right. And they're like, what if... Everything that you create was designed to be created by exactly what you had, which is a propensity for choosing random numbers out of midair. What if what you're meant to create doesn't require 
scientists. <laughs> it just requires you picking random things and putting them down. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> I started playing with this concept and they gave me the four steps of manifestation as they wanted me to have them at this time. The, oh, first, cool. the first being dream it. And I wrote the creamy comfort of exploring a concept in your imagination, the place I feel most comfortable and hence remain and retreat to when I reach the discomfort of the spongy stage. And I'll, I'll, I'll clarify about the spongy stage in a moment. Number two, speak it. Speak it into the world. Allow the world to hear it. This does not mean tell everyone. You have seen how that depletes the energy. Yes, it feels good at the time. Instant gratification, instant validation, false validation can and often will take the place of the rest of the journey. So they, they reiterated the lesson of don't, don't diffuse your energy and allow instant gratification to take the place falsely of the actual manifestation that you're, that you want to head towards, because it will, the second you feel that thrill of, you know, the other person gets it and they think that you're brilliant. It's all gone. Mm -hmm. You have nothing left. You've just used it all mm -hmm. in that one fell swoop to feel good about yourself. And now you're a loser again. So they say speaking it is your way of dabbling, playing with this idea as if it existed, but it does not yet exist. It has not yet been made manifest. This is when they really started to come through me. Um, mm -hmm. And so the spongy feeling exists between pulling it down and the next phase. Um, I guess I haven't gotten to pulling it down. So let me get to pulling it down. That's number four in the four-step process of manifestation as they would like me to think of it at this current time. Pull it down. Allow it not to float outside in the air. Pull it down to you and work it with your hands. Break it down into deliverables. Move between those deliverables instinctively. Do not allow yourself to obsess over sticking points. Trust that each sticking point serves a purpose of timing. Move to another task, even if it is for another project, to maintain a baseline momentum. Trust that inspiration will remain as long as you are not allowing yourself to revel in the immediate gratification um, that sharing brings. And I was like, there's a lot in there. Sounds very simple, but there's actually a lot in there. And it actually, just number four is its own little process of pulling it down. Mm -hmm. And they were giving me the example of, um, I guess, let me get into the spongy feeling because that, that taps into the example that they gave me. So the spongy feeling that I tapped into when they started giving me this message where I was like, ew, like this, I don't like this, this is kind of uncomfortable and I, I just rather go back to the dream it, you know. The spongy feeling exists between pulling it down and the next phase. It is literally the energy of process or process of allowing something to manifest into your reality. If you are having trouble making an idea concrete, the stories you hold that stop you are held here. So it's your ego that is creating a block as opposed to something related uh, to timing or to your greatest good. So that spongy feeling where you're starting to flirt with the idea of making this a reality, <coughs> That spongy feeling is your ego colliding with your soul. That spongy feeling sure. is your ego telling you, mm, but you have things that you need that you don't have yet. 
So you can't do that. You know? Gotcha. <clears throat> getting all bossy with you. So when you start to feel that kind of like, Ugh, like it's soft here and it doesn't really feel firm to stand on and I don't know if I want to, oh gosh, you know, this is icky. Like just that hint, that subtle hint of icky is your stories coming up ready to crush your dreams. So if you can hang on through the spongy phase, then you can get to a more solid ground. And here's the process of getting to solid ground. The process of getting to solid ground is, you know, when they said something like make it manifest, when they said write it out, they mean make it concrete as in um, uh, journaling it, journaling the idea and seeing, taking inventory of what that idea actually consists of. Like what parts of this do I actually have right now? And then they brought up when I was creating the Shared Space website, they brought that up and they're like, you know, you you were worried and stuck on all these little bits and pieces that you didn't have. And all you needed to do was pull down a number out of midair and plop it onto the page as a space holder. You're so concerned with plopping the right thing onto the page or sliding the right thing into the slot that you refuse to allow momentum to take its course. And they're also showing me when I write books or short stories or anything like that. <clears throat> I don't, I'm unable to do what writers recommend, which is just write it out without any editing. Just let your freak flag fly and write whatever and know that it's a rough draft and it's going to suck. That's what editing's for. I edit as I go. I can't help myself. I'm this like this little obsessive compulsive control freak when it comes to that stuff. Every time I'm creating something, every step has to be curated and perfect right in that moment. And there can be no mistakes because I want it to be perfect so I don't have to go back and do it again. And I'm literally lurching in, to a stop, stopping my momentum in that moment instead of saying, so I'm going to charge $15 for this thing I'm selling. And then instead of going forward with that and start fleshing out the rest of whatever you're fleshing out like a web page and putting in other art or other colors or choosing another font, I will sit there and go, but is $15 enough or is it too much? And how do I know? Maybe I should do research on figuring that out. What are other companies doing? Blah, blah. You know what I mean? And my uh -huh. mind is not at that point yet of fleshing it out. And I don't recognize that because I have a story that says everything has to be done in order sequentially. Mm -hmm. This is how it must happen. <laughs> and if I can start letting that need for sequential perfection, if I can start letting that go, I will, as I did with my website, have a lot more success. They're like, that's why we needed you to complete your website so badly. It's not so that people could find you, although that is a nice benefit of having completed your website. It's so that you could have a full and current example of your work process and where you get stuck so that we could show you and use it as a contrast for this four-step manifestation process. And after you finally get sure. past that spongy stage and you start pulling it down into reality by putting it into a website or, you know, 
um, bringing in the right people for the project to do certain, you know, divvying up the different jobs within the project that need to be done. However, your manifestation process starts to take place. They, they say, um, solidify it. Solidification. Okay, so it's a five-step process. I hadn't turned the page yet. I surprised myself. <laughs> it says solidification, the process that allows the many ideas that make up the master idea to marinate, marry, coalesce, weave together. It could be as simple as sitting together on a page, a book page, a web page, a social, social media page, a published page. Once published, it is manifest and you have sent it into the reflective reality to show you how to refine and reform. And the process can begin again from a new angle. Through a new lens, with a new focus, this is manifestation. And I was like, so each time you write it, the cycle's supposed to go back to the beginning and start again. And that's another problem that I have with manifestation is I see this big picture and I can't friggin' see the road to get to that big picture because I am blown away by the idea and the largeness of it. And it seems so much bigger than me. And they're like, you have to keep doing the process over and over again. This is why you keep getting stymied every time you have a great idea. So they just gave me a little message and they said, think of it like a Thomas guide. They're like, the destination is not on the page that you are on and it does not matter how many times you look at that page, if you are stuck on that page, you are not going to find the rest of the map for how you need to get to where you are going. It is do, not, do, it's simply not there. Do people know what Thomas guides are? <laughs> I don't know, but it's the only thing that I can think, like, that's exactly what they showed me. They showed mm -hmm. me a Thomas guide. They're like, try to find it, try to find it, try to find the destination. It's mm -hmm. not there. It's not on that page. Right. It's on A22. Right. And you have to get to A22. And if you remember how fucked up a Thomas guide is, organized mm -hmm. it does not mean you flip the page it means you have to go and find wherever a22 is and a22 50 pages exist, 50 pages on 50 pages yeah. forward or backward from where uh -huh. you actually are right now right and they were like and there you go yeah boom boom <laughs> and it's like oh <laughs> dear lord yeah so yeah for all you youngins look up thomas guide and, or ask your folks your parents will tell you about about Thomas guides or your granny will tell you about Thomas guides. Right. But, but as you're yikes. pulling down the idea and you get to that point where you feel it may, it may present itself as trepidation. It may present as anxiety. It may present as an, an excitement that you can't quite harness. Um, and so it feels, um, it feels too fast. It feels too much. All of those are indicators that you have, hit upon a pocket of stories that tell you you can't have that thing that you don't have what it takes sure. to have that thing and they they have been implanted or um programmed within you to stop you or to make you stop yourself rather and they're like don't worry about it and it they also it's reminded me it, it's beyond a pothole it's quicksand it's quicksand. You can move through it. It's probably very shallow. 
you just have to have faith that it's shallow. It, they reminded me of when I do sessions with people and they're starting to doubt. I'm, I'm, I'm not deep enough. I, for those of you who don't know, I do hypnotic regression. Uh, and a lot of times people will freak themselves out thinking that they, they don't have what it takes to get into, uh, a state where they can channel on their own behalf and they will inevitably say something along the lines of, I'm not deep enough. I'm not there. I can't do this. Nothing's coming in. I'm nowhere, blah, blah, blah. And the trick is the more you speak, the more you'll get there. But you have to allow the words to come out of your face. They don't have to be correct. You don't, don't have to judge them. Don't censor yourself. Yes. Yes. Don't, don't censor don't yourself. Censor. Just let the words come out of your face. Let them fall out of your face. Let them sound crazy. I, I'm on a swan and I'm flying through space. Let it happen. Let it happen. Because the imagination is how they get you there, especially when you find it difficult to let go of that control. And that the same thing goes for the manifestation process. Well, and they have to disconnect you from your beta state right? in order to do that. They Your have to disconnect you. Not going to allow that, right? And it, it they have to sometimes it's not what they it's have built to, for, right? They have to disconnect you from quote making sense because you are trying to get to a different realm that you are not used to experiencing. And one of the ways they do that is they access your imagination and give you crazy stuff. That later on, when you're listening to the recording, becomes clear because it's actually energetically coded to give you the information you were seeking, your beta brain just couldn't understand at the time. And that's the thing that I struggle with most with clients is that they, it's up to them whether or not they trust and believe what I'm saying. 1000%. And that is true, not just for hypnosis, but for practically any type of work of this nature. Mm -hmm. If you, if you are not in a place of trust in yourself mm -hmm. and what you will allow to come through, your, your experience is going to, your experience is going to be exactly whatever you allow yourself to experience. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with the person on the other side of that. It has everything to do with you. And that's mm -hmm. that right there. Man, people have a hard time understanding that. Yeah. And it's like, you made up your mind <laughs> before you even showed up. You already set the, the parameters for, for what you thought was going to be acceptable or, you know, and that's expectation. But that's all built around this state that we're in 90% of the time most of us in order to live a very task-filled life it has to be that way or you will not stay on on quote-unquote the task mm -hmm. you will not be able to complete a because it requires a very linear very defined it is it is a very structured structured thing mm -hmm. and and once you kind of cross that road into that metaphysical spiritual space, it is absolutely not that. Yep. It is not structured. Mm -mm. It is not defined. It is not linear. 
you're going to jump all over the place. You're going to say things and realize, oh, that was a symbol. That was a symbol for this thing that happened. And now I understand because now I've, I've allowed that to come up and come through. I've unlocked that door. And now I can see at least a portion of what that is. And the more you lean into it, the more they're going to pull you back the wider your vision of whatever that is, is going to be become mm-hmm. yeah. because that, that will, it's like a chain reaction. It's like a snowball effect of, of, you know, one thing triggers another thing, triggers another thing, triggers another thing. And it's not just all in that space. I've had things come up in the last several weeks that have related to, in fact, things that have come up in session for me years ago. Hmm. and and that's been really interesting and it just reminded me of that um one was and now i can't even remember exactly what it's in regards to but there was <clears throat> there's a short regression that we did probably three three and a half years ago mm-hmm um, where I was visiting a very specific time, and you'll remember this, I think. And <clears throat> one of the things that I saw was a a structure uh, that was meant to be like a generator. And it had a very specific shape, and it had a very specific number of rings around the top. Do you remember this? Vaguely. Kind of, sort of. Vaguely. Um, I saw it again. Out of nowhere. In one of these episodes that I was just telling you about on this, this huh. Gaia show. They showed it and I'm like, and, and it was funny because I didn't have to say a word. I went, huh. And at the exact same time, Brian did it too. <laughs> because he knew he's like holy cow that's that thing that you saw that's the what thing was it that you were trying to talk about it was it was a type of generator so um man and now it's like we were watching it like right before sleep and and i wish i could remember exactly what it was but basically like what they showed um the first part of what they showed was the columns, some of the columns used in, um, in Egyptian temples. And they're the columns that have a flared bottom and they come up and they have four rings around the top. And they were like, you know, it's, they were kind of explaining that it, you know, it's not something that we pay super close attention to. We're just, we're just looking at them like structures that help to hold, you know, things that help to hold up a structure. They're like, that's not what it's for. They're resonators. Mm-hmm. And then they showed other drawings of like other civilizations, how these things were used. And like, there was math and, Anyway, there it is a part <laughs> and there of was a math. bigger <laughs> and there was math. 
because that's all I can give you right now. Sorry. Uh, I'd have to, I'd have to go back and watch it again because it, and I want to because it was one of those things that like when I saw it I was like, damn. Okay. <laughs> um, always fun when you see something that's like reflective of something that you can. You're like, I don't know. It's this thing, and it looks like this, and I know it's important, but I couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. exactly what but i know other people who will know and you know three and a half years later i'm watching the show and going holy shit that's it <laughs> you know um but essentially it was it's it's a resonator and they were showing like other schematics of like look at look at these things and how they exist and then they showed i remember the other thing that they showed were um modern power lines or right power lines yes modern power lines and they were showing the top of the power line and they're like look at these these like the first thing that comes to mind is nodes. I don't know what else to call them. These little things that stick out of the top of the power lines. They're like, this is a modern version basically of that. Like it's, it comes from the same base thought, but it doesn't do anything near as what this thing did. You know, Mm -hmm. it was kind of where they were comparing and contrasting modern versus ancient technology and kind of showing, look, we think that these things are very rudimentary, but they are so far complex Mm -hmm. (laughs) to what we have now. It's like this puts, you know, this, this thing in ancient times, put this thing in modern times to shame because we don't fully understand what it is for. And I think that's actually, if I remember right in this particular episode, that was the point is that they were sharing or they were trying to relate that um, there have been times in antiquity when the particular frequency of the planet at that time offered us insight that was much deeper and far reaching than what we have now. And that's what I was hearing in my us. head. That's what but I was that hearing. We are starting, that we are starting to roll into that again. Yeah. Into one of those periods where that's going to open up like that again. But they're like, look, just because they didn't have the same tools as us, just because they didn't have X, Y, and Z does not mean that they, um, you know, did not have a way of doing it. And some of that just simply had to do with where they were in their particular their particular evolutionary state at that time Mm -hmm. and their understanding of things like there are things that they could make happen that we would have no access to right now because we just even with all of our technology we don't have the understanding we are not sitting in the right space for those things to click and line up in order to make that happen again right the one thing that Um, they've been showing me over and over again (laughs) such a It's a perfect reference, so I get it, but it's just weird for me. But um, they keep on showing me birth control. 
you know, the little flat compacts of birth control where you spin okay. it so you know you're on the right day. That's how they're okay. showing me timelines right now is they're showing me a compact of birth control and you have to line up wherever your birth control is lined up to. Yeah. That's the pill you get for that day, you know, except they're talking yeah. about it on a much more vast scale of like, you know, uh, energy exactly. frequency. But that's the image they're showing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it was it was very interesting to to kind of watch this transpire and to see that particular thing pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was just one instance where that has happened recently. But you know, if I was not open to to that, if I was not open to receiving those things, then you know, it would never would have triggered for me later on down the line. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I have on that at the moment. So, I don't know. What do you think? We're, uh, we're having this this back and forth conversation, so I'm going to go ahead and let the rest of you in on it. We're looking at our timestamp and going, "Oh my God, we've been doing this for almost two hours. Do you want to end it?" <laughs> yeah, I think th- I think the time has come. <laughs> the time has come. I've talked out. The time and, has uh, come to silence ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> my stomach says it's time. Time. <laughs> stomach says it's time for food, y'all. It's, it's dinner time, yeah. I can totally... Okay, I have I have one thing. Let's see, I have like five minutes before we actually hit the, the two-hour the two mark. Hit it. There was something while you were talking earlier that came up. And so I'm going to spit it out there real quick because I wrote this mm-hmm. just recently. Um, they wanted me to tie in sacral work to the retrograde. Huh. I have a sacral um, sound bath coming up next week and I got this flash and they were like it works together it works together listen and so what they gave me was so how does the sacral tie into retrograde during retrograde it's easy to get caught up in the memes and the lore around pitfalls and and the dangers of retrogrades and although some caution can help us when that healthy dose of skepticism turns to fear we fall out of trust with ourselves We question our ability to make decisions on our best behalf, and we deny our passion and creativity, and this puts us in a very vulnerable position in relation to our sacral. We often retreat in a self-deprecating way, and we lock up our desires to move forward. These are the times when we tend to be most stagnant, but we don't need to be. And then in relation with Mercury retrograde particularly, Um, retrograde is essentially showing us a different perspective, a different angle. It's asking us to see something and even do something differently. And as much as it may seem like an hindrance, it's actually an opportunity. And there's no better time than to link up the sacral or activating the sacral than during the retrograde, because the sacral is a part 
of those energetic channels that we use to process our emotions. It's the seat of our passion, our creativity, our life force energy, and it's also the lens through which we judge ourselves and our abilities. So when we're not acting from a place of passion or creativity, we tend to get down on ourselves, turn inward, and lose faith in our desires and our ability to see them through or give birth to new ideas. So with this retrograde, let's take a hint from Mercury and look at fulfilling our desires from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Cool. Works for me. Sweet. Um, And then it was interesting because they made me look up when I made the decision to go back to school, what was happening um, astrology wise. And we were in a retrograde mm-hmm. and that well, was a you, huge point of You shift. definitely went back. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was a, it was a big shift and I'm glad I did it because it mm-hmm. triggers stuff for me all the time that I don't think would have been triggered in, in quite such a succinct way as mm-hmm. it is when, when I'm doing that. So, I am grateful. Mm -hmm. So with that, my friends, I think we're going to close this up. Join us next time as we use our inside voice to talk about, you know, whatever pops into our little heads. (laughs) And until then, this is Jamie. And I'm Heather. And we are using our outside voice to say, stay safe, stay sovereign. And we will see you again very, very soon.